Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting, and we have the privilege to be joined by one of our favorite people, Buck Sanders. So, Buck, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm excited. I'm hyped. Uh, closing in uh, this uh, last week or so of signing day is always an exciting time. These are guys that uh, haven't been committed, and you're just waiting to see one way or the other which way they're going to jump. So that makes it interesting. And, you know, Don, what what makes you happier, seeing that, that UNC's got a commit coming across the board or that Buck joins us for, for one of the podcasts? Oh, man, that's an easy question. Having Buck on our podcast, and I hear there's a rumor that Buck might be joining us a lot more than he has been in recent uh, months. That has been going around the icy water cooler. So uh, for everyone listening, you know, you, you might yeah, get Buck's get, bill get, of beans. You, you going to be on here more frequently? I, I think so. Uh, I, I'm basically on here to learn more, though, than talk, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But that's my plan. I think I'm going to be joining you guys mainly to get uh, Don Callahan love. It just uh, really <laughs> know. forces my self-esteem when I'm around Don. So <laughs> for no reason, I should be uh, joining every single time. That's right. That's right. When you're down in the dumps, just be on the podcast. There you That's go. It. All right, you guys. Well, hey, I'm, I'm going to interrupt the love fest just for a second because we do have some UNC football news to talk about. And there were two commitments last week from um at, from guys i guess that are expected to be you know full-on scholarships and then we also had a preferred walk-on candidate as well who i think will probably earn a scholarship a little bit later on down the road we will see about that but let's start with the one in that was the first to commit chronologically and that's ty murray he was the louisville commit who switched to carolina he's the center out of Don, correct me if I mispronounce it. Carrollton, Georgia. Yes. Hopefully I got that right. Good. Um, so, look, you and I talked about him a little bit on our podcast that we recorded early last Sunday morning. And then later on that evening, Ty did go ahead and commit to the heels. What kind of player is Carolina getting in him at that center position? Well, uh, to mention what's... Uh you were alluded to about the, the film recording. It's funny because we kind of talked about just how most people are going to listen to that podcast. And then at that point, we didn't know who was going to commit. But uh, for them, most of them, Ty had already committed. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. But I, I think, you know, the, the main thing is he's versatile. I mean, he's coming in as a center and he's the guy that um, that Mac Brown was talking about when he wanted to add a center and he did a, um, an intelligent, um, uh, gritty center and I think they got that in in Ty Murray he um you know he has played all five positions along his offensive line in high school obviously you know but UNC wants him to focus on center I mean he's a guy that uh that uh you know plays with good leverage and and just you just frequently knocks his opponent um on you know on his back and uh you know you gotta like that he's very nasty guy very nice guy off the field but nasty on the field 
And then, so Buck, hearing about the center position there, you know, you're I'm going to rely on you as kind of the resident air raid expert because you've looked into that a ton when Carolina hired Phil Longo to be the offensive coordinator. Hearing that that type of of center that Ty is, and you know, and, and Max comments on him, does that kind of fit the bill of to what you'd expect the air raid offense to require out of that center position? I don't really uh, see the center position to be dramatically different uh, in the air raid offense. Uh, the reason for that is the when they go to the wider splits, which they won't be in all the time, but one particular feature of an air raid offense is that there will be occasions where uh, the five linemen will be stretched out and the gap will be a bit larger between the, the tackle and the guard and the guard in the center. Um, and so there, there are changes in blocking assignments, those kinds of things, and not very, as many double teams. And when they line up in that particular uh, offensive line formation, uh, but they don't always do that. They, they do run some power blocking. I think probably – uh, the chief characteristic of anybody that plays center really in any system is not only do they have to have the uh, physical abilities uh, that that Don talked about, you know, being a nasty kind of player, but they have to be very intelligent. Quite often they're the ones that sets the defense. Uh, everybody has seen, if they've ever watched a football game, occasionally the center will stand up and point uh, at the defense, what he's doing is he's pointing at the middle of the defense. So everybody's taking their blocking assignments from that point on. You're supposed to take the second man from the middle or the third man from the middle, those, those kinds of things. So I, I think you, what you're looking for is a highly intelligent guy uh, that is, you know, has uh, the physical competence that you're looking for in other areas and, and, as uh, you know, nasty streak, as Don talked about, is certainly not a, uh, a detriment in any way. It's great to have that in, out of any offensive lineman. Yeah, and the thing that I guess is the big question mark for me with Murray is that uh, is the intelligence. I mean, he's a, he's a very smart kid. I've talked to him a bunch, very well-spoken. Uh, but one of the things you can't really pick on, on film, pick up on film, is – their understanding of the blocking scheme and if they're making the calls or, you know, if they're making the calls correctly. And that's something that obviously the UNC coaches had to kind of figure out through talking to him and, and maybe even putting him on the whiteboard. And so it'd be interesting to see if, if, if those things took place and, and what um, I'm, I'm assuming that if they did, it came back pretty positive because uh, that's, that's a big part of what they're kind of expecting out of a kid that they were going to add at this point in the class. I have a question for Buck. You know, when I was looking at uh, UNC's roster, and Buck is kind of the roster guru for this podcast, at least, um, if not overall. Um, I, and, and when Mac Brown said, you know, he wanted to add a center, I was looking, and it doesn't seem like center is like a huge need. So I was wondering if if Buck expected uh, any changes, or if there was um, some sort of attrition that we um, might not be aware of. Um, just, I guess, what was going on with the center position? Why you felt like Mac Brown needed to add a, a center to this class? 
Well, that's a good question. I wish I had a good answer. If you look at the depth chart, the roster, North Carolina doesn't seem to have a dearth in it. They've got uh, J.J. McCargo and uh, Anderson. So you would think, you know, and players behind him. And I think even Nick Polino has cross-trained to uh, center before. I don't think, you know, we, we all often saw Chris Kapilovic, uh concentrate on and work on, particularly in the spring, in cross-training uh, offensive linemen. He would, you know, take someone who is obviously a tackle and play him inside for a while during spring and vice versa and try different guys under center and uh, those kinds of things. I'm thinking that, and, and actually this is really more speculation on my part than it is actual, you know, like inside knowledge. But I think with everything that's going on with an offensive line in a Phil Longo system, because as I spoke to before, it's not just uh, you know, one set of uh blocking scheme. Sometimes they're going to be in zone blocking. Sometimes they're going to be in man blocking. Uh, sometimes they're going to have wider splits. Sometimes they're going to have narrower splits. And so there's a lot to learn in, in a uh, air raid offensive line on an air raid offensive line. So they might not want to complicate that by you know, cross training a guy here or, you know, seeing, trying him out at center and see if he could work out there. Um, you know, they have to build more depth because of that, because if you've got, you know, a guy that could play guard center or tackle, then you don't have to have as much depth across the, the offensive line. If each individual player sort of concentrates on one particular position, which I think, just, uh, you know, logically, that's what you're going to probably see more out of in uh, Longo's offense and in uh, Stacey Searle's uh, coaching of the offensive line. Yeah, the interaction between Searles and, and Longo is, is what I think is going to be interesting. Buck, you said in, in the column when Searles joined that by the numbers, you know, he actually improved the rushing attack at Miami pretty significantly, but the fans just did not like him. And that's a pretty universal truth across college football is the fans will always hate the offensive line coach. It's it just an interesting dynamic there. But I think in time, Murray, the heels definitely got a, a solid player. We'll see if he does grow into that starter because Don, that was a very good point about the, the depth chart being a little bit crowded ahead of him. So we shall see. Guys, let's take a quick commercial break, though. And when we get back, let's talk about the other two recent additions to the Tar Heels recruiting class. So we'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders. So, guys, we talked about Ty Murray during the first part of the pod. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the ball and talk about Raymond Vohasic, the Juco player. Don, you and I have talked about him a lot. We both expected him to sign with Carolina. Last week, he didn't make it official. Now, the biggest question is this. Seeing as he is a Juco, Don, is there any concern about his ability to actually make it through UNC admissions and be a part of the team next season? It's it's always difficult for me to answer this question because I've never seen his transcript and probably never will. 
but uh, from my understanding, the whole reason why that, or at least what he told me, I'm talking about Ray Vohasek told me that uh, the reason why he had to go the JUCO route was he never took any Spanish classes in high school. And most schools, including all the colleges in, in North Carolina, require, was it at least two years of, of uh, language? Is that right? I think it's two, yeah. Yeah, it's two. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so obviously that's going to be a no-go, but supposedly, according to Vohasek, his, uh, his grades were good, and um, – I'm assuming his his grades will be good coming out of JUCO. So so yeah, from a, from a standpoint of academics, he shouldn't. And the other thing I need to mention, I I, I probably mentioned it ad nauseum, is the fact that he's a uh, a guy is a three for three, which means he has three years of eligibility remaining, which is not common for a JUCO. Usually they're two for three, which is two years of eligibility plus a redshirt year. Uh, but he redshirted this past season. He um, uh, tore um, uh, his uh, uh, muscle in his um, shoulder, uh, had surgery right before the season and decided to sit out this season so that he is 100% healthy for whatever college he was uh, going to choose, which ended up being North Carolina. And it's actually a very selfless decision by his, or I guess um, advice by his coaches at uh, his JUCO school to page because they were the ones who actually told him this is what he should do. And they end up, you know, losing a very good uh, defense alignment for a season at, you know, at the sake of this kid actually um, improving his situation. So I'm seeing the, the stats from 2017, Don, mm-hmm. and during that season, he led DuPage in sacks, eight and a half, 33 tackles and 14 tackles for loss. Do you know, was that playing kind of all along the defensive line or is that primarily a defensive tackle or defensive end? Do you, do you have uh, any information on that? Yeah, I mean, he played all all along the defensive line, even played a little bit of linebacker. For the most part, his primary position was end. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he has experience up and down the line. Good deal. So where do you see him slotting in then at Carolina? I mean, his his body type seems to me like he would most likely fill in at that defensive end spot as someone who can kind of set the edge, um, rush a little bit, but kind of more so be a support in the run game. What's your take on that? How about I, I give a description of what I see on of him on film, and I'll let Buck decide where he fits into uh, Coach Bateman's new defensive scheme. Does that work for you, Buck? Absolutely. All right. So on film, the thing that pops out is just he's he's explosive off the line. I mean, he's just he comes at you hard, um, and I mean, very active with his hands. I mean, he he literally, if you watch on film, he literally overwhelms offensive linemen. They just don't know what to do because he's coming so fast and everything's moving. His arms are moving, and and uh, and he's getting into the backfield very very quickly. Um, you can see a lot of plays where he's just the quarterback. The quarterback is getting overwhelmed because he's coming back there so quickly. The thing that worries me a little bit is now he's listed as uh, 6'4 and 255 pounds. I see. I saw him very briefly during his first official visit. I didn't see 6'4. I saw probably something closer to 6'2-ish. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously you look at his film, unbelievable, um, moves uh, very well, closes quickly on the quarterback. Uh, but he just he's kind of like that tweener sort of guy. So, Buck, um, where where do you see him fitting in at on, I'm assuming, uh, a three-man defensive front? 
Well, uh, for starters, I think uh, we could rule out uh, nose tackle. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Um, so you're you're thinking about either an end, and I don't really see him as a um, outside linebacker. Possibly a middle linebacker, but uh, he may be, you know, grow out of that pretty quickly. So I think probably where he'll wind up, wind up at is, you know, at the end position opposite the nose tackle in one area or another. I don't know enough about Bateman's defense, even though, you know, you can watch it all you want to and hear him talk about it all you want to, but it's, it's a, enough of a different animal that it's hard for me to understand if he favors one end position uh, as the primary rushing end and the other end as more someone that's more involved and just kind of holding the edge Uh, and you know whether he will flip those guys on occasion I think he varies his defense uh, to an extent that we possibly have not seen before. And uh, when we talk about all these positions, one of the things that people talk about in terms of Bateman's defense is that it's he and a few other guys, just a handful, are moving towards what people describe as a positionless uh, defense. Meaning, you know, whether some guy is designated as, uh, you know, a pass rusher and, or someone more involved in, you know, the run stopping or whether they're a safety or a linebacker or an end, they may still be involved in performing the tasks of those other positions on a fairly regular basis, which is a part of why his defenses have been so successful is that, you know, it, it's very difficult for an offensive lineman to know who to block if they don't know who's coming. And uh, you, you can see on tape on occasions where the ball's snapped and almost literally uh, the offensive lineman is standing there with nobody to block, where defender is coming from a different part of the field um, and overwhelming that uh, area in terms of the point of attack. So... I think while we can get caught up in, you know, which guy plays what position, um, you know, really throughout the defense, it's going to be varied enough so that, you know, they're going to use the guy uh, in ways that suit his abilities. If he can do something and he can do something well, that's how they're going to use him. So I wouldn't get too caught up in, you know, trying to peg him at a certain position in particular, uh, not just because of who he is, but in particular because of Bateman's defense. All right, so Don, looking at these two commitments kind of from the eagle eye view, you've got Ty Murray, the center, and then Ray Vahasek, the defensive line. So two guys that are going to be in the trenches, which is an area that I think most Tar Hill fans will, will admit, you know, Carolina needs to improve there. So with these guys and Mac Brown, when he came in, he started off real hot on the recruiting trail. Do you think that these two guys putting on the guessing cap, would they have still committed, do you think, 
if Larry Fedora had still been retained, or do you think that both of these guys, kind of that Mac Brown and the new staff, came in and really sealed the deal to get these guys to become Tar Heels? I think Vohasek would have committed. I think he would have probably committed after that first official visit. I think uh, UNC had impressed him enough. Um, he, he would have done the same thing that he did this time where he would have waited a couple of days to kind of marinate on the whole situation, think things through, not rush into a decision. But I think he would have ultimately would have committed. Now, for those who remember, we actually ran a story where he spent the entire weekend with uh, Larry Fedora and, and his staff and um, left. Everything was fine. Got to the airport, looked on his phone and saw that Larry Fedora had been fired, which is a very unique and unfortunate situation. With Ty Murray, yeah, there's there's no chance that he would have ended up committing to North Carolina for for two reasons. One, UNC was not looking to add any more offensive linemen, forget about center, underneath Fedora. They felt like they were fine with what they had. Um, and that was all the way up until the very end when I was talking to my sources. The other thing is, is that the the connector to UNC and Ty Murray was Lonnie Galloway, who recruited Ty Murray to Louisville. So, of course, when Galloway became came to uh, North Carolina and um, things got a little shaky at uh, Louisville. Uh, He wanted to make sure that uh, he brought Murray with him. And, um, you know, the day before the early signing period, Galloway offered Murray, which actually stopped Murray from, uh, from signing with Louisville. He would have, he had fully intended on signing with Louisville that, uh, the following day. And then, which if you continue with the, the domino pieces. He he took the official visit to UNC, and before ending that official visit, he decommitted from Lu- from Louisville and committed to North Carolina. So so yeah, so obviously he he would not be a part of this class if not for Mac Brown being hired. All right, great info there. Let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. When we get back, let's discuss the potential spots for the rest of this recruiting class. And then also we will talk about that preferred walk-on as well. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders. So guys, let's go ahead and kind of start walking this one towards the end of the trail here. Carolina now has 21 total members of its recruiting class. Don, you posted the big countdown to signing day scoop on the Tar Heel Premium Message Board. If anyone listening is not a member of the Tar Heel Premium Message Board, I strongly recommend that you do join so that way you can get Don's excellent articles. Read those. They provide the most up-to-date and in-depth information you will get on UNC football anywhere. So, Don, let's uh, just kind of discuss this in general. You listed a bunch of names uh, of targets that the Tar Heels are still hoping to land in this 2019 class. However, with 21 guys committed right now, you know, and we've discussed this before. You, I think you've said previously that the staff maybe will only take two or three more guys after getting the information for your scoop and listing out all those names. Where where do you come down right now on how many more prospects you think the coaching staff is realistically looking to add on February's national signing day? I think it's going to come down to the prospects themselves that are going to, that are going to determine that. UNC, for the most part, there's a couple guys, I guess, that UNC is talking to. Um, but for the most part, UNC is focused on about 10 guys or so. And uh, they're not going to land all 10 of those guys. And it's just going to be a matter of, of uh, 
which of those 10 ended end up committing and signing with North Carolina. Um, if you read the scoop, it gives, I think, and, and you guys can comment on this, um, but I think it gives a good idea of, of the chances North Carolina has as of late last week, where UNC is at with each one of those recruits. When you read it, you'll see there's certain guys. It seems like, okay, this guy's basically on commitment watch. And there's certain situations where you're like, all right, this guy's going to another school and may take an official visit to North Carolina. So it's, um, you know, it, it just depends on what kind of happens with, uh, with, with these, these 10 guys in the next uh, couple of weeks, really. All right. And then Buck, let me get you your thoughts on how coach Brown has done in these few short weeks since he has taken over as the, the Tar Heel head coach. Um, because, you know, Don did mention that Ty Murray wouldn't absolutely not be coming to Chapel Hill if not for him and the additions of Lonnie Galloway to the staff. So now that we're kind of getting to the crunch time with national sign day, just around, around the corner, how do you think he's done just overall? Well, certainly there's nothing to complain about, right? I mean, uh, there have been some uh, standout players. You start with Sam Howell. I mean, that's a critical get at a critical position of need from a North Carolina product. Uh, and and the accolades just uh, continue to pour in, pour in for him uh, from observers virtually everywhere. So uh, that piece, uh, you know, flipping Tristan Miller, uh, some of these other guys he's picked up like Ty Murray, uh, you know, every coaching staff is going to look at the roster a little differently, uh, just based on what they want to do offensively and defensively. And I think one thing that's, uh, interesting to point out, I guess, or speculate about in Don's signing day scoop piece on uh Torpit premium, virtually every player remaining on that list. I think all of them. Uh, you know, one defensive tackle, one defensive end, a couple of linebackers, three or four defensive backs. Um, they're all on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think that sort of speaks to two things. Uh, one is that they don't really believe that North Carolina has done as well as they needed to on the defensive side of the ball in recruiting. And, you know, I think that's pretty apparent if you go back and look at uh, you know, previous signing days. You know, you see plenty of uh, four-star uh, wide receivers, uh, a four-star back. Uh, you know, you see you know, even four-star offensive linemen. Uh, you can see some highly ranked recruits on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think they have matched that in terms of the defensive talent they've brought in on that side of the ball. And I think that's a frequent criticism by a lot of the diehard fan base as well. So I, I think that part is worth pointing out. And then, uh, as we've already spoken, you know, people are just going to look at this is the kind of style of defense we want to run. This is the kind of style of offense we want to run. And we're going to recruit as much as we can this year to to fill in whatever possible weaknesses that we might have on the roster. And Don, you know, Buck mentioned there about the, the style of defense and, and every coaching staff is going to target 
specific players differently from everyone else. In other words, every coaching staff has like their quote unquote ideal type of player for certain positions. This season uh, of recruiting was obviously too soon. Really. I feel like for the coaching staff to really get too much into that, but moving forward, do you kind of expect there to be maybe some different body types, different um, athletes? In other words, that you will see coach Bateman trying to get on that defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just with the scheme. It's just with a personal preference. I mean, he, you know, UNC under Fedora ran essentially the same defense for for the majority of his uh, his uh, tenure. And each you know, just this is just an example, but each uh, DB coach had different things that they wanted in their quarterbacks. Some, uh, you know, a couple of the guys, um, you know, Charlton Warren, Warren liked the taller guys. Um, I know Terry Joseph wanted a variety of different sizes and, and lengths and, and all that sort of stuff for different situations. So, you know, um, so it, it all comes down to, you know, personal preference. And it's why, you know, when you're looking at rankings, obviously rankings are important, but it's more important for a coach to get a guy that he feels like he can do something with, as opposed to a guy who's, you know, highly ranked. Um, and, and I think, you know, UNC is going to go into, to definitely look for different things in, in each position because you have a completely, well, for the most part, a completely new staff and it's going to be interesting. I'm really interested in spring uh, to kind of see who fits where and, and what coaches prefer what and all of that. So we can kind of get a better grasp of um, the roster management. Well, I, I will say this is moving forward though, Don, you know, the coaches can have their preferences, but I think Mac Brown has shown he is truly going to be targeting the elite of the elite, especially in state. We've talked about how there was that big time group of 2020 kids uh, for the basketball game, and they are really hitting that Charlotte area hard. Um, and just in general, you know, if, if people are not following Coach Brewster on social media, they need to because that guy is, he is just constantly going. You know, Buck, I think it was interesting that the staff really seems to be following through on a Mac Brown statement that he wants to have a coach in every high school in North Carolina because, man, they are just tweeting from high schools all over. So I know that that's, that's got to bring a smile to, to the face of everyone who remembers Mac Brown's coaching acumen the first time when he was in Chapel Hill, right? Oh, absolutely. And not only has it been targeting the um, North Carolina high schools and getting you know, assistant coaches out there to make the visits and stuff. What surprised me is that that recruiting weekend you're talking about, uh, not only did he have about half of uh, the top 10 as they're previously ranked or currently ranked in North Carolina on campus, he had about half of the Virginia top 10 there as well. So, you know, one of the focuses, I think, uh, you're going to see under Mac Brown, yeah, he's going to hit North Carolina hard. That's a priority. You're going to hear that from him constantly. But he he made some hay in the state of Virginia when he was uh, here the first time around as well. Uh, you know, you, you talk about guys like uh, Dre Bly, uh, Tommy Thigpen, you know, some of the biggest names in, on Tar Heel defense, uh, you know, he pulled out of uh, Virginia. So um, it's very interesting that he is not, you know, that focus on North Carolina is terrific, but 
he's certainly not ignoring uh, the Virginia territories either. And a lot of that has to do with Dre Bly, as, as you mentioned, um, because, uh, you know, obviously he's from the Tidewater area. And if anybody who knows the, the area of Virginia as far as a recruiting territory, the Tidewater area is the, is the quote-unquote money area. That's the area where you're going to have the most, you know, most recruits year in and year out. They're always going to have recruits. They're always going to be really good recruits. You know, it seems like um, – Every every all those national nationally ranked teams, you know, Alabama, Florida State, they always have some kid from that, that Tidewater area. And with having a coach who grew up in that area, the kids know him, who can relate to those kids, is, is only going to help UNC's chances. And really, we actually will will have some stories running this week on a couple of those guys, four star guys that that visit North Carolina for that junior day that John was talking about. Um, and they had just glowing praise for North Carolina and just the impact that uh, Dre Bly has made in such a, a short amount of time. And the thing about the Tidewater area is that uh, it's not locked in for any particular school. There are times where Virginia was the school that was just killing it in the Tidewater area. Then there were times that Virginia Tech was. So it's an area that if you can kind of, flip the tide, no pun intended, you can, you know, and land a couple of key kids in that area because it's a very, very close knit area where all those kids know each other. They all compete against each other in seven on sevens. They work out together in, in local gyms. Um, so if you can get a couple of those key kind of alpha dogs in, the, in that area, you can, you can own that for, for um, a couple of years because those guys talk to each other and, and they say, okay, hey, this, this school is taking care of us. Okay, this school is not taking care of us. This school is, um, is you know, not showing us a lot of respect. This school is not really recruiting us. Oh, I had fun on this visit. Oh, you know, Coach Bly is great, and he can relate to us. Oh, when I was talking to this coach, he, I didn't really uh, get a great vibe from him. Those sort of things um, play a big factor in that area. And I think when you have a coach like Dre Bly recruiting it now, it's, it's going to help. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a very interesting recruiting year. I mean, I, I can't, I, I just cannot wait personally. Guys, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Talking about that preferred walk on, I wanted to, to leave this kind of to last because, you know, Buck, when you saw the name that Jeff Saturday was coming to Carolina, did did you have a moment there where you were like, "Hey, great, he's coming in to be like, you know, a, an assistant coach or or an analyst or something like that?" And it turned out it was his son. Jeff Jr. Uh, actually, I didn't have a moment like that. I, I, I may be just uh, on the cusp of having a lot of senior moments, but I, I didn't have that particular one. Well, um, I'll tell you what, I, it, it caught me off guard because before Don listed him as a a recruit from, I think when he visited a couple weeks ago, I had no clue that Jeff Saturday honestly even had a son and much less that he was a, was a division one athlete. So when I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. But, um, you know, I, I think from, from name recognition alone, Buck, it's pretty cool to have Jeff Saturday's boy coming and being a part of Mac Brown's, um, I guess a player during his regime, right? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, one of the reasons I wasn't taken aback is because, uh, your partner in crime, Tommy Ashley, had a little bit of inside information on it from somewhere. He was giving us a heads up that they were, uh, that Jeff Saturday's son might uh, be a preferred walk on at UNC. And, uh, you know, where I went wrong is I assumed he would be a, uh, offensive lineman. It turns out he's a wide receiver. 
so that'll be interesting. Jeff Saturday is just a, a, a terrific guy. Uh, and I, I can imagine that his son would, you know, sort of be a chip off the old block, but Saturday for years, I think was, uh, big in the NFL players association and has a ton of respect at, at that level. Uh, had a ton of respect for his play on the field, both at UNC and in the pros. Um, he was just a, a, a guy, you know, somebody you want on your team. And uh, if uh, if the acre didn't fall far from the tree, then North Carolina picked up a pretty good preferred walk-on in his son. We'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, and Don, looking at, I mean, if there is film on Jeff Saturday Jr., you know, he's listed as six foot. Um, he looks to be significantly smaller than his dad. I mean, just uh, from looking at, at some photos that, that I've seen. But at, at that wide receiver position, you know, what type of, of receiver do you think he might be? And if there's just not enough film to, to kind of make that determination, you know, that's fine. Just let me know. Yeah, no, there's plenty of film on him. Uh, I think he's, you know, a, a multi-purpose receiver. He could do a lot of different things. There's some some um, clips of him, you know, going vertical and catching a deep ball. There's some clips of him, you know, uh, turning around, catching a screen pass and and gaining some good yardage. There's also, um, he plays a lot of defense. Um, and there's some plays where he's jumping, jumping uh, the pass and intercepting a ball. Um, he seems to be a an intelligent intelligent player which is which is to be expected you know considering his father and what his father's reputation is um and i think really you can you know it's it's it's, i don't think it's ever a bad thing whenever you bring in a preferred walk-on it doesn't really cost you anything and um you know if it works out great if it doesn't no big deal and i think in this situation it's it's a couple different purposes obviously mac brown's taking care of one of his one of his former players and but at the same time you get a kid who maybe could be a, a savvy um, player at either receiver or defensive back. Well, and, and as Buck alluded to, I mean, just the the idea of having Jeff Saturday back on campus, that is a huge positive to me. I mean, he is the, the type of guy where you want him around your football program as much as possible, just for the connections and, and the mentorship. I mean, you talk about someone that was always underrated and now worked himself up to a first round ballot hall of famer you know jeff saturday a true tar heel i'm very excited that his son is going to be that that preferred walk on so guys i think that should go ahead and wrap us up for this podcast unless don did you have any uh, any other news or any any other insight that, that you can share with the general public at this time no, I mean, I just, just, I guess, reiterate that we're going to have plenty this week as far as content. Um, it's gonna, it's kind of a unique time of the, of the recruiting calendar because we're starting to kind of uh, get more into the next class, which is the 2020 class. But at the same time, we'll have updates on the 2019 class, which is drawing to a, uh, to a close. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's, just, there's still more fireworks left. So definitely be checking out Inside Carolina on if, if not an hourly basis, on a, on at least a daily basis, because we're going to have plenty of content. As I mentioned, we'll have updates on those two four-star uh, defensive backs from um, the Tidewater area that visit North Carolina, and they had a lot of really positive things to say about UNC and, and UNC's chances in general. Buck, did you have anything else, or are you good to go ahead and wrap this one up? 
I'm good to go. Just enjoyed it uh, very much, and uh, you know, I'll always feel better after talking to Don Callahan. Uh, well, did you did you learn something? Because that was a goal of yours for this podcast. Yeah, I think I did. I think I did learn a little something. I learned a little something also from you, Buck. Ah, uh, always guys, a this, pleasure. Yeah, it, it's all right. I'll I'll someday get as much love as as you two give each other. Uh, One day, <laughs> I I got to work myself up to to Tommy Ashley levels first. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, for everyone here at Inside Carolina, we do appreciate you all listening. Thanks. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.